The centurion had it right. This man understood his place in the world. He was a career soldier. He was someone who had a hundred men under his command. His position balanced in the tension between authority and responsibility. He had accountability to the command of the legion of which he and his troops were a part. He handled the discipline and the administration for all of his soldiers. He was well paid. He was well looked after and he was in turn able to care for his family and his household workers. And centurions had good standing in Roman society. People looked up to them. But what's more, this centurion even got along well with the locals. He loved the people of Capernaum, even building them a place, a synagogue, for them to gather together for teaching and worship life. So when the centurion's slave became gravely ill, he knew that for all his power, for all his authority, there was nothing he could do to make the situation any better. There was nothing he could do to heal the man. And because this slave was a valued member of his household, back in those days, slaves were not generally mistreated. And this one in particular was important to the centurion. He sought help from someone who would have the power to deliver what was needed. He'd heard about this Jewish rabbi who was doing amazing things, healing people wherever he went. And so, understanding Jewish culture, he sent some of the elders of the people, people who regarded him as a trusted authority and a friend, to go and to ask this rabbi, this Jesus, for help. The centurion knew that his identity as a Gentile might keep a rabbi from coming to him for fear of becoming unclean by entering into this outsider, this foreigner's house. And so going to Jesus, the elders of the people pleaded for Jesus to come to heal the slave, telling the rabbi that this Roman was worthy to have Jesus do what he asked. And as Jesus came near to the centurion's house, though, that centurion sent friends to stop him before he came in, admitting that he was not worthy of having Jesus enter in. As a man in a position of authority, a position under authority, the soldier understood how it worked. He trusted that Jesus' authoritative word of command would be effective. He had it right. Despite what the Jewish elders said about the centurion, he was not worthy to have Jesus enter in his house. It wasn't that they were wrong about him. The centurion probably worshiped God along with the Jewish people. That could explain why he helped to build that synagogue. He obviously cared for the slave more than just as a piece of property. He may have legitimately been a good guy, and yet, he still knew that he was unworthy to have God's Holy One come to him. And so are you. What makes you worthy? Going through life, 
You'll be told that all kinds of marks will show that you're someone that others should trust. You've probably learned that along the way certain measurements will let people see just how worthy you are, your grades, or your victories, your follower count to your likes, your paycheck, your rank. If you have all that, then in the eyes of the world, you're worthy of respect, even worthy of having other people serve you. And if you just listen to what the world has to say, you might even start thinking that you've earned it all, that you are entitled to their service. But what happens when you're not worthy enough? As our nation observes Memorial Day this year, remembering those who gave their lives in service of our country's armed forces, a good part of America's attention is caught up in this race to see who will become our next commander-in-chief. If you ask the candidates if they are worthy of holding this highest office in our land, I have no idea what they would say. If they're smart, they'd say whatever their well-paid speechwriter prepared in advance for them to say. But regardless of what your opinion, your assessment of these various candidates might be, the simple fact is that none of them are worthy. None of us would be. That's something that the Roman centurion understood. No one is entitled to the office of the president and the authority that goes along with it. I mean, as was the case with the centurion, it's a position under authority. In our case, the authority that comes from the people of the United States. Soldiers serve and have given their lives in serving, trusting in the authority of the commander-in-chief without having to pledge themselves to the person who holds that office. Because who is worthy of such service? The centurion had it right. He knew that he was not worthy of having Jesus enter into his house. But he also trusted in the power of authority. Not only did he hope that Jesus would deliver his valued servant from death, he trusted in the power of Jesus' word. He understood that Jesus need only speak a word and his servant must be healed. The centurion trusted that the bearer of God's supernatural power could command the slave to be restored to health by the authority of his word. What authority do you trust? Where can you go when circumstances take a turn for the worse and you find that it is beyond your ability to make them any better? In this day and age, there's a lot of skepticism towards authority. That's fair. How can you trust institutions? How can you trust people who have failed in the past and may very well fail again in the future? Even you and I have failed at some point. Therefore, we need to look to someone who hasn't failed, someone who won't fail. And that's the one who was amazed, who marveled at the centurion's faith. The centurion understood his place in the world. And what's more, he had an idea of who Jesus was. 
In fact, it's somewhat ironic that this Gentile soldier, this outsider, had probably a better understanding of just who Jesus was than those Jewish elders who he sent to ask for help. But what's more, you and I have an even better idea of just who Jesus is because we have heard the word that the centurion asked for Jesus to speak to his servant. It's the word of authority that brings healing. It's the word of authority that brings forgiveness, even to unworthy people like us. It's the word of authority that said from the cross, it is finished and your sins were put away forever. It's the word of authority that speaks from the waters of baptism and says, you are my beloved child, and it is so. It's the word of authority that calls us to the table with the words, take and eat, this is my body, take and drink, this is my blood, for you. And it is the word of authority that on the last day will command, arise and death will be done forever. What makes you worthy? God's love in Jesus. Faith, the faith that comes from God, the faith which trusts in Jesus, that is what brings salvation into our households. Faith understands that we are not worthy of the great gifts that God gives, including whatever authority has been trusted into our care. Yet faith still marvels, faith still celebrates that Jesus, who has ultimate authority, does not just come into our house, but he delights to dwell. So on this long holiday weekend and in the shortened work week ahead, take some time to consider where you put your trust. Think about why you trust those things. Appreciate and enjoy what you have been given and reflect on why it is that you can do so. And when you do, remember that Roman soldier who sought out the one who had the power to deliver what was needed. May we, like the centurion, confess our unworthiness and trust Jesus' authority. For when he speaks, we too must be healed. Amen.